Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along. We're continuing our look at the Sermon on the Mount. Today we're continuing in chapter 20, in chapter 7, sorry, and we'll be um, verses 24 to 27 today. And the heading that the ESV has over that section is called Build Your House on the Rock. So I, I want to spend some time talking about that. It, it's, it, it, these all flow together. So remember yesterday we had this, this frightening kind of passage about not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and so there, there are people who done things in Jesus' name, and then at the end he says they're going to come and they're going to, they're going to say, Lord, didn't we do all these great things in your name? And his response is going to be, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So who we are matters more than what we do. <laughs> um, it, it, it actually does matter more. And, and so what he says is, is that who is going to enter the kingdom of heaven? The one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And this just, excuse me, pardon me for this, but builds upon that very idea that, that who enters the kingdom of heaven is the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That means whose character is aligned with the word of God and the purposes of God. So then, now, we take that idea about these people are the ones who are going to be rejected, and Jesus is going to to build on that here. And he says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, one of the things that I think that probably started sticking out to me more and more over the past several years is that whole idea of everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. Again and again and again, that's exactly what Jesus says a disciple is. Somebody who hears and does. Who does he say is going to get into heaven? Everyone who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. You, know, you want to get into heaven, you've got to do what the head of the household says. You've got to be the person he intended you to be as your creator, but also your father. And so it, it's, it's not just a given just because you believe. Jesus constantly says, everyone who hears and does. It's not just easy believism. I don't know how that got into the church. I don't know how that became a thing. And it's a thing in every denomination. Um, I had a conversation maybe 10 years ago, not quite that long, but but close, with uh, former Attorney General um, John Ashcroft, who was Attorney General of the United States, a wonderful man. Wonderful man. Um, he, he is a Pentecostal Christian, solid in his faith. And, and I, we were talking because he, he's the assembly of God. Um, he knew, you know, what, what I was doing. He knew about, about the work that I was doing, or, or not me personally, but he knew about our denomination and uh, that it was connected with Rwanda. And, and I was there, I was with him for a different purpose altogether. It was a small meeting over an issue that um, that some friends of mine had been working on, and so I happened to be there with him, and, and so we, we talked and chatted, and it, wonderful guy, like him a lot, we hit it off, and uh, so anyways, we're talking about church, and, and he said, you know, it's a shame uh, about the Episcopal Church, blah, 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 and I said, yeah, you know, absolutely lost the thread. I said, but, you know, it looks to me like, though, from the outside, the Assemblies of God has not done that. He said, well, you're not looking closely enough. He said, if you're inside, you see it. He said, they've gotten enamored of numbers, and so we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater in a lot of cases. In order to get growth, we've compromised, just like everybody else has. And 
and it was surprising to me to hear that. Um, I, I don't. There probably every single denomination has been compromised over the last several years. We've certainly seen compromise in in places that we thought were actually really solid and really good, um, bought into a whole lot of worldly stuff, and bought into it in a big way, and and bent over backwards to bend over into it because it didn't want to alienate its members. I know of a church that that's divided pretty much down the center right now over woke ideology, over critical race theory, and all those other things. And, and the problem is, is that, that the pastor hasn't stepped in and taken any kind of a, a stand on it. And what's happened is, is that people who don't believe in that have begun to just leave because that they, their perception is so long as he doesn't speak into it, then that's actually what he supports. Um, and, and it's caused a huge rift in so many congregations and so many denominations. It's unbelievable. And um, it, it's just shocking to me to see how easy believism became the thing that 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 was step one in that process because you no longer had to had to actually be in the word I, I, i've probably told this here before i'm not sure we had a um a, a deacon she became a priest ultimately at our church in knoxville um not hired by anybody that i would recommend I mean, it was an interim person who hired this person so brings this person in. She preached um, a weird sermon her first time around, and because of that, they decided she needed a sermon listening group. And I, because I talked to her about football, she asked me to be on it, even though we were so theologically unaligned. It was unbelievable. So th- she preached her sermon the next one, and then we had the meeting, and there was a lady there who had been on the vestry, which is the leadership team in the Episcopal world. She had been on the vestry a couple of times since I'd been there, um, and I, I didn't know her, but she said, what was that first lesson you preached on? And she said, Leviticus. She said, yeah, I've been wondering. She said, I got a series of uh, comparative religion tapes for Christmas, and I've been wondering for a while why, why it is we don't have a law like Islam and other religions do. And I'm just shocked, absolutely shocked, that this lady has been on the leadership team twice, which would be six years between two terms, it would be six years. Um, she'd been on leadership twice, and she'd never heard of the book of Leviticus. I was like, what's, the, what's the criteria here for being in leadership? Well, I can tell you what it was. <laughs> it was giving a lot of money to the church. That's how you got on a leadership team, um, is, is that, that you bought your way there. Not that that was her intention. They just gave money, and therefore she ended up in leadership positions. And so what, what I saw was is that this easy believism had resulted in the fact that, that, that we had, had leadership people who didn't know anything about the Word of God. They were more interested in comparative religions than they were about learning about their own religion. You know, I, there's nothing wrong with comparative religion, but you need to be very solid and secure in what you know and believe. You don't need to just let somebody else teach you that course. You need to know for yourself. But, but it, it's... It, it's the application of the hearing that Jesus says is the really important thing. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The doing of them impresses into our lives the truth that we embrace. And the proof that we have embraced it is true is applying it in our lives. That's what creed means. The The word creed, it comes from the Greek word credo, and, the, and that word means 
acceptance of a truth that changes your life. And so this is what you say, your, your personal credo should tell me something about it, should explain what I observe. Oh, he does this because he believes that. And, and usually you can work backwards and figure out what somebody believes from what they do. That's normally the way you can get there. It is, okay, uh, you don't have a personal statement of belief that you're going to make to most human beings, but most of the time when you observe somebody for any length of time, what you'll, what you'll see is, okay, I know what you believe, and, and who you are tells me what you believe. So Jesus says you've got to move from being a hearer only to being a doer of the word. Well, he's not the only one who says that, but it's on again and again and again. Our lives need to line up with what we believe, and they do. They always do. So what we say we believe might not be what we actually believe. What kind of God do we believe in? Well, the way you live your life is going to tell me something about the, the kind of God you believe in. And, and it's important that, we, that those two things line up. And Jesus says, he's already told us that the one who enters the kingdom is the one who does the will of my Father, who's in heaven. Well, you can't know that fully apart from the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And so when Jesus says it here, he talks about a wise man who builds his house on a rock, and the rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew and beat on the house, but it didn't fall because it had been founded on the rock. It had a firm and stable foundation. And, and Paul's going to talk about that same kind of idea when, he's, when he writes to the Corinthians, and he talks about, at the end of the day, everybody's work is going to be proven in, in the end times, and then, and then nothing can be added to the foundation, he says, that's been laid in Christ Jesus. And so that what is the foundation of my life, and then what do I do with that going forward? And, and so the foundation is Christ, and what are, we, what are we building on top of that foundation? What are we, what are we doing with that? And, and then Paul says it's all going to be tested at the end of the time. It's going to be tested by fire. And then what happens is, is that, that at that time it'll be proven what kind of work has been done. Is it, is it kind of stuff that'll last or not? And, and we, we hear that same thing. Actually, it's funny. I'm gonna, you're probably going to think I've lost my mind when I say this. But we see the same thing in the story of the three little pigs, right? You know, so you get one house built of straw, one of uh, bricks, and one of whatever. And, and the, the only one that stands is the one that's built of brick. And so we have to make sure that, that we don't build with crummy materials on top of the great foundation of Jesus that's been laid. And so the, it's, when Paul writes to the Corinthians, he writes in 1 Corinthians 3, he's speaking about divisions in the church, and then he says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he'll, re- he'll suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And so Paul's being very clear about this same principle Jesus is expressing here about the foundation. And so the house that's built on a rock, I mean, at that time you didn't, you know, you didn't have block and all that kind of stuff that you would lay 
foundations with. So you didn't want to, you wanted to build on something stable. Well, the most stable thing in the universe is eternal. <laughs> and so it's what's the eternal thing? Let's build on the eternal thing. What is the eternal thing? It's Jesus. So build on that. And then build up from that, but have him always as the foundation. And, and then if you build on that, Paul says, then, then make sure you use materials that are worthy of being on that foundation. And so Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So what is it that Jesus is saying here about, about what will stand and, and how we should live? And, and that is to build your house on the solid foundation of Jesus rather than on anything else. And, and the way you build it is to put it into practice. And then what you want is to be that guy that he mentions before who, who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, who seeks the kingdom first and righteousness first. And in that way, then, then we become those people whose houses are built on rock rather than on the sand. Are we building our, our houses through our desires and the gratification of those desires and the seeking after the gratification of those desires? Are those temporal? Are they things of earth? Or are they eternal? What is it that drives us? I mean, it's, it's easy to tell. Like I said, in most of our lives, it'd be easy to tell from the way we spend our time and the things that we do what it is we truly value. And so how do we balance those two things? How do we live in this world without building our house on this world? Well, it, it means we've got to live somewhat countercultural lives. We've got to judge the world and choose not to be part of it in places where we can't be part of it because we would be compromised by being part of it. It's imperative that we understand that distinction and that we rather build our lives on the rock that's Jesus Christ. And that shows forth in everything that we do. It, it goes even to our tithing, the way we use our money, the way we think about our money, the way we do everything in life. Where are our priorities? Where are our priorities? And, and it's easy to tell when we examine our lives what our priorities are because it, it, it has something to do with how we spend our time and talent and treasure. Where am I pouring out and where am I taking in? And, and if I look at those things and I'm honest about it, then I ought to be able to tell pretty quickly what my priorities are and whether I'm building on a rock or whether I'm building on sand. That's important. Jesus said it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. Those are the ones who will, who will get into the kingdom of heaven because th this hears the words of mine and does them. And also before, anyone, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. So when Jesus says everyone who hears, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So there's two things going on. It, 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 the implication is that we hear and do but the other implication of what Jesus has taught here, and I don't have to spend much time on this, is really odd, right? Because right here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is, is telling us something. Listen to it again. <clears throat> the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter the kingdom of heaven. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them 
Yeah, that Jesus says, I'm speaking for the Father. If you do what I tell you to do, you're going to be good to go. If you want to know what the will of the Father is, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, then hear these words of mine and do them. It's a startling claim. It's an amazing beginning to this ministry that he announces to those who have followed him because of what they've heard and what they've seen. Now, Jesus says, I'm the Father. I speak for the Father. If you hear and do the things I tell you to do, then you'll be doing the will of my Father and you will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a startling claim. And Jesus makes it right here at the outset, right here in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.